Welcome to the Mortgage Vault podcast hosted by Voltage. Voltage is a mortgage automation company that helps mortgage lenders and servicers reduce the time and cost to close and board mortgages. Mortgage Vault podcast is for mortgage industry professionals who want to stay ahead of the curve. Every week you will hear from experts, thought leaders and legends on what's next in the mortgage industry. All of this with just one goal in mind that you stay on top of your game. So, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of Mortgage Vault. Hey everybody, it's Sanat, marketing head at Voltage and your host today. Voltage is a mortgage automation software that helps you produce and service more loans doing less work. Welcome to Mortgage Vault podcast. A very good morning and welcome to one more episode of the Mortgage Vault podcast. Now I'm really excited today because being a tech company ourselves, we are always on the lookout for the best insights on where mortgage tech is headed next. And today's episode, we have just the right person who could help us with that. We are very happy to welcome Lisa Springer, CEO and senior partner at Stratmore Group a leading data-driven mortgage advisory firm that works closely with lenders and services to accelerate growth and tech adoption. Now, Lisa has over three decades of experience in the mortgage technology space, and currently she heads all strategic initiatives, client experience, and technology advisory services at Stratmore. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lisa. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Great, great. Thank you so much for your time. And honestly, when you accepted my podcast invite, right, I was very happy because there's so much I wanted to learn from you regarding the upcoming trends in the mortgage tech that I could hardly contain my excitement, right? But before we get started, I would love to know about your journey in the industry. Now, you have over 30 years of experience in the mortgage space, particularly mortgage tech. So what motivated you to start and grow a career in the mortgage industry? So interestingly, I actually started off on the commercial side of the house. So my entree into the residential mortgage space was more fortuitive than planned. I was a strategy and sales advisor for several companies in Denver, Colorado, and one of them happened to be a mortgage services provider. They recruited me to build a scalable sales program and to train a team to grow their company. We did that. They positioned for sale. So I went to Mortgage Cadence next. They hired me when they were brand new. Mortgage Cadence was just kind of a a vision that they had uh, as they were working with a small lender in Colorado. And we introduced the new LOS to the mortgage market. Um, and grew that business, as you all know, to become a leading software provider. And I really loved the startup aspect. So I went to Motivity Solutions when they had no clients and really helped them build their brand and their client base. And as many know, Motivity was ultimately purchased by Black Knight. Um, But in the interim, it was a natural choice for me to join Stratmore. I've been with them since 2013. The partners at that time had decided they were committed to growth and that I was the right person to facilitate that. So we've been building the brand and expanding our services ever since. Wow, amazing. In fact, I feel, you know, someone like you who has seen the industry evolve over the past so many years, you know, you would have witnessed transformation you know, say from an era where things were really old school to now where we talk about, you know, cloud-based softwares, automation, whatnot. 
my question is in the current times what are some of the areas where you feel mortgage companies are actively deploying technology to drive business growth so every year strabmark conducts a technology insight study and if you look back at 2018 lenders were deploying predominantly front end tools like pos systems crm pricing tools for side by side comparisons but since that time they're also pushing mobile applications and improving the overall digital experience so digital's been a big hot button for the last couple of years especially for consumers who are becoming increasingly more comfortable using these tools but in 2020 for the back end process and with the onset of covid-19 there's a lot more focus on e-closings digital signatures e-sign remote notary and there's also a lot of momentum with e-note and e-vault so covid-19 and now the restrictions that were imposed by that pandemic forced many of the back end functionalities to be front and center we were trying to position to accommodate remote closings which was a big deal at the time only 254% of those lenders way back in 2018 used closing collaboration tools but by the time we reached 2020 that jumped to 35% with 14% in development and another 24% in the planning stages so figuring out how to remotely communicate with those third party closing agents really became a priority got it so as you said you know uh, like remote closing took a lot of uh, traction it built a lot of traction due to the covid pandemic and uh, other back end operations also benefited in, in terms of tech adoption because of covid and because of remote working environment but if i have to kind of you know flip the question and and ask you like what are some of the business areas where you think are the blind spots where tech adoption is slow and perhaps could be ramped up so adoption has been the biggest problem right you can introduce new technologies lenders can purchase them implement them but really getting your end users to use them has been the real challenge so for years we've seen that the adoption of digital closing capabilities lagged the sales side of the business it was much more interesting especially on the origination side to use a CRM or a POS and as i mentioned the event of covid really expedited the adoption of the back end and e closing process which is now three times greater than it used to be however what was the the real problem holding it back we learned it wasn't the consumer consumers love the digital process right in fact adoption is more an issue with our own industry not wanting to adopt these capabilities so in some cases it's structural issues right being comfortable with these digital processes to meet compliance and investment requirements but just as often it's the humans that are resisting change so for instance your originators not wanting to adopt digital tools because they're used to collecting paper processors and underwriters not accepting the new the AU condition set because they've always collected this specific document or closers who are more comfortable using older technology to create their closing packages. So we believe the biggest epiphany for many of these lenders is looking back at themselves in the mirror. It's the mm-hmm. willingness for the people in their own companies and in our industry to change, not borrower adoption or lack of functionalities available. 
got it now of course you spoke about you know uh, the front end aspect of technology right where there could be a lag because of inertia because of you know old habits of revolving around paper based processes however if we talk about the back end operations like in in the document processing or the loan processing workflows do you still feel that it's because of old habit or it's more of a behavioral inertia which is preventing massive i would say adoption of technology or automation so it's a combination some of it's a comfort level and some things that i really want to talk about here in a little while when we get into the vendor side of this from my perspective it is lenders not understanding the roi opportunities and so there's not the motivation to push the adoption and if you don't understand the roi opportunity how can you measure the success of it and so i think that there needs to be a lot more clarity around the benefits and how to measure those benefits and really fully realize the capabilities of the technology that they've just invested in got it that's a great answer Uh, so my next question you know uh, is more on the lines of the current market situation now obviously uh, the things today are much different as compared to last year last year obviously we saw a surge in refi volumes but current year we are experiencing rising interest rates shortage of housing supply pressures of forbearance exits so from your experience after having talked to your clients what are some of the top concerns for lenders and services in the current market conditions So it's interesting everybody's been waiting for rates to go up and they dropped in the last couple of weeks but the capacity management issue has always been the main challenge for mortgage bankers whether we're in a good market or a downturn so lenders are always trying to automate tasks and processes to reduce this capacity burden but the shortage of housing supply has created some headwinds for the purchase market in a couple of ways. So the obvious one, right, is there's not enough homes for sale. So fewer purchase transactions are happening. And then more importantly, the shortage creates a lot of competition and bidding wars for properties. We're seeing properties going for $100,000 over the the ask price. Wow. Um that gives the edge to cash buyers. Recent uh, data from Stratmore indicates that 30% of recent home sales went to cash buyers. So that's been a very interesting nuance in this market. Absolutely. So, you know, just putting your hat as a strategic advisor, what are some of the best practices that you usually recommend or Stratmore recommends to its client to kind of avoid or I would say minimize a margin compression and retain market share? So that's really a, an interesting question especially as we look at the market transitioning from refinance to purchase. You know, we know that margins fluctuate based on the interest rates and supply and the demand and dynamics. But the retail purchase market experiences less margin compression than any other channel. And as the borrower and realtor are focused on getting that loan closed on time, the lenders focused on providing great services. with hopefully the best customer experience which is where i'm headed with this so borrowers are still price sensitive but less so than with third party channels like uh, the broker wholesale and correspondent channels 
In our opinion, optimizing that borrower experience is key for repeat and referral business and to retain and grow their market share. Our mortgage set borrower satisfaction survey program, and um, we're kind of proud of the fact that we've collected 170,000 responses from borrowers wow. just this year validates this and we can quantify that pickup in our top line revenues when the net promoter scores which is a measure of whether or not a borrower is willing to refer business to a lender are high so the higher those nps scores are the more likely they're going to get referrals absolutely absolutely and as a matter of fact i would like to kind of do a deep dive in, into this aspect, right? Uh, where you said that Stratmore did a very exhaustive consumer survey and that borrow satisfaction has a direct correlation with the generating referral business, right? So from that survey, what were some of the key takeaways for lenders? You know, what were some of the key learnings that could help lenders maybe navigate in the right direction? So some of the key survey results that we found Investing in online application technologies to make that loan application quick and easy. To make sure that an easy to use document upload portal is available is really important and it needs to be intuitive. To collect and display the testimonials online. This is really important to the realtor and to the loan officer, right? So you get those up on your website, you have these testimonials, it's a good reference point once the borrower is trying to make a decision. And as I, you know, we've already discussed the acceleration of those remote digital closing tools really helps those borrowers to make that closing process more convenient and less painful. So, you know, I want to qualify that with we have to be careful because um, I hope we have a chance to talk about millennials here in, in a moment, but they're a different breed. They are not Gen Xers or baby boomers. Right. And they really thrive in a collaboration environment. So they want to communicate online and they want to have that at their fingertips. But they also need to build friendships and create a sense of team. So as you're building these digital strategies, you need to keep in mind the psychographics of that millennial group. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, you know, as you rightly pointed out, understanding the psychographics of the millennium group is definitely important. And, you know, I being a millennial myself, right? So, for example, my normal expectation is to have everything at the click of a button, right? And I want everything faster, cheaper, better, but it should be as convenient as possible. So, from, from that perspective, right, what are some of the areas where technology can help lenders and services match up these expectations and probably it could also help if you can you know maybe kind of throw some light on the back-end operations as well because definitely we're talking about the front end which makes a lot of sense but do the back-end operations also contribute and if so how so the back-end operations do contribute but really when you're looking at the purchase borrower they want mobile capabilities, they want online application capabilities, and they want constant status updates. So more than the focus on the back end, it's the communication, right? Are you talking with them on the phone? Are you emailing them? Do they have push uh, notifications? Um, that's really what this current market of borrowers is looking for. It's not just an online process. 
right. right? At least not for real estate and mortgage transactions. The process needs to be effectively online enabled, but there has to be that human interaction and connection. So, you know, if you, if you look back, tech savvy in my day meant that we could use email and the internet, right? right? And today it's a lot more than that. We need to have a very high comfort level with that seamless end-to-end digital enriched consumer experience and with social media. So, you know, it's, it's a much broader, more complex combination than it used to be. Absolutely. So obviously we talked about a wide range of things here. And in the context of, you know, what we just talked about in terms of, I would say, technology adoption with mortgage lenders and services, the current market conditions. So what are some of the key focus areas for you this year to set up your clients for success? So one of uh, Stratmore's key focuses when working with any client, whether it's a vendor or a lender, is how effective, effective and impactful is your target operating model which incorporates your entire strategy, people, processes, systems, voice of the customer, your long-term growth, your objectives. But this year, we are keenly focused on that voice of the customer into both our target operating model and the customer experience strategy engagements. So we believe it's important to illustrate to our lenders how this voice drives growth for mortgage bankers. So in fact, we're kind of excited. We're just releasing it today. Our July In Focus article is all about creating that business success through a culture of excellence. So Sue Woodard co-authored that with us. Uh, She is the customer evangelist at Total Expert and does some CX consulting now with uh, Stratmore. And we describe how lenders can optimize that experience for not only the borrowers, But if you are a third-party originator, you have to consider also your employees because they have a direct impact on that customer experience. So how this ultimately enables lenders to hit their strategic targets, because frankly, that's how they're going to grow their business, right? And really monitor and measure true ROI opportunities. So short answer is CX this year. Great. And uh, I really look forward to reading the release, uh, which is happening today. Great. So as we head towards the the end of this conversation, I'd like to ask you one question. Like based on your experience of deploying successful go-to-market strategies across multiple tech companies, what advice do you have for the new age or I would say more recent mortgage tech startups like us to be able to serve the industry better? What should be our focus areas? So, you know, this is my passion right here. So I hope we have enough time for me to to really jump in and talk to you about this. But first, the most important thing I think that vendors and new vendors specifically needs to think about is the lender's value proposition. It needs to focus on net benefit. So Gary Ives from Pulte and I with Brian Kukwa from PenFed did a session in, in April with the MBA about avoiding buying that shiny new thing, right? Right, right. If you really need to try to quantify the benefits and really conduct an analysis about, will this solution be a cost-effective decision for you? And lenders forget to amortize into that the cost of their resources dedicated to implement. 
but it's it's a fine line because ROI is hard to measure. There's a lack of really solid granular industry baseline data on costs to originate. So lenders need to really look for a true ROI story. But here's the bigger message to lenders and vendors. If origination is the focus, get the lender's costs right. Sales are twice as large a contributor to total cost per loan as fulfillment. So every time the vendor is touting back office efficiencies, that is not where the costs are right now. The total cost to originate in 2020 all in was around $8,400 alone. It's down a little bit from the 9,200 because of economies of scale in 2020. But the retail costs were 4,800 or 57% of those total all-in costs, whereas fulfillment was only 1,800. So that's two and a half times of fulfillment costs. So focus in the right areas. Where is your real ROI opportunity? Next is category overlap. Take time to understand as a new vendor how technology solution categories overlap functions. So LOS, POS, ancillary solutions like product and pricing engines, document management, data management, a lot of different vendors offer this. So really dive in and help your lender decompose that end-to-end solution. Carve out those pieces being provided by you as the vendor, and then try to figure out how to manage and maintain the changes to those solutions over time. The vendor should guide the lender down that path, not expect the lender to do it themselves. I'd also offer that it's important to be a category buster. Hmm. You need to come at it from a transformational perspective. What's new and different? Uh, you know, a great example is what Optimal Blue did as a category buster, replacing that native LOS pricing engine with a third-party solution that also correspondence and overlays in the big TPO investors could take advantage of. So there, there's really no silver bullet, but it's important to do a couple of things. First off, find a good lender lab partner. Because no matter how good you think your solution is, there's going to be bugs and holes in it and gaps that you're not aware of until you actually can partner with someone to go through the process and identify those areas. So there's nothing more frustrating for a lender than to hear none of our other customers are experiencing this problem. Right. You know, that's a tried and true pan answer, and it's just simply not true. Dive in and try to solve that problem and really help them through it and make sure that you know your product as well as your partners do. And, and um, so that's my final thought here is the APIs. Right. So APIs are not a silver bullet that everybody really thinks they are or want them to be, right? So since the early days of third-party integrations and ancillary services, the lender's mission of critical items like the, the uh, LOS, troubleshooting those APIs and then finger-pointing when something goes wrong is just a classic problem, right? So despite best efforts, sometimes obscure errors occur that have to be tracked down to root cause and then the defects cured. And that has to be communicated with the, the vendors and with the lender. So do not be naive and oversell how painless that API-centered strategy is to execute. 
do not underestimate the maintenance burden on the lender when tens or hundreds of APIs are in play and try to be as proactive as you can and obsessive about getting them right. You know, there's a lot of lenders right now using RPAs and bots, and those are more of a temporary solution, right? If you can truly automate and manage those features through this API process, it's a much longer, more stable uh, answer to that. Got it. I think there were some really, really great insights there. And from what I could kind of get, and I would like to kind of summarize, was that number one, communicating the ROI narrative very clearly to the lender and having it out there loud and clear so that they don't have to kind of invest their energy in understanding the core offerings and how they benefit. Number two is clearing out the taxonomy of the different services and functions and how they overlap uh, to the lender so that, again, they don't have to kind of, you know, pick their brain to understand, okay, what is what and how are they overlapping with each other. Third is becoming a category buster. And fourth is having a model which kind of puts the API into the center stage. However, be very mindful of how to go about maintaining and troubleshooting uh, those API-based integrations when something goes wrong. So I think those are the four major points that I kind of got. Like, am I correct in saying that? In many cases, you said them better than me. So yes, (laughs) you got them right. Great. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, uh, Lisa. I mean, it was lovely talking to you about mortgage tech. And, you know, in fact, there were so many insightful points that we as a company could reflect upon, especially the last answer that you gave, right? And I hope that you also had a good time talking to us. It was great. Thank you very much for inviting me. Amazing. So on that note, we would call it a wrap. Until next time, stay tuned, stay healthy. Bye-bye. And Lisa, again, thank you so much. Have a great week ahead.